Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics, a podcast dedicated to exploring how things get places and the people who get them there. We'll talk with logistics and supply chain leaders about innovation, industry trends, and the future of the logistics business. Now, here's your host, Joe Lynch. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics podcast. My name is Joe Lynch. Thank you so much for joining us today. Today's topic is make system integrations great again with Michael Sternberg. Welcome, Mike. How's it going? Good, Joe. How you doing? Excellent. Excellent. I'm looking forward to learning a lot about this topic. I know I talk with Mike offline and he's educating me on some of the finer points of system integration. So, Mike, before we get started, introduce yourself and your company. Absolutely. So, my name is Mike Sternberg. I'm the Director of Sales over at 3PL Systems. What we do is essentially build intuitive software solutions to simplify the freight broker's daily duties, make it easy for them, their customers, and their carriers to go about their days. Excellent. And I've used 3PL Systems software in the past, their TMS. I'm a big fan. Very good system to use. (laughs) Great group of guys, too. So, Mike, before we get into the meat of this thing, tell us a little bit about you. Where'd you grow up? Where'd you go to school? Give us some career highlights before you join 3PL Systems. Sure. So, born and raised out in Southern California. Spent a lot of time in both the Los Angeles and Orange County areas. Went to UCLA to study biz econ and international development. Once I had my entry into the professional world, I actually uh, started knocking doors residentially for nonprofits, asking people to sponsor children in third world countries for 92 cents a day or whatever the price was at the time. (laughs) Um, So really, really kind of earned my stripes per se by putting myself through that transitioned into more of a business-to-business role selling copiers, still knocking doors, but I had a suit on this time and I was selling something that was a little more expensive into businesses. (laughs) Yeah, and it's got that tech element that you were interested in. Yeah, yeah, definitely. It's funny you mentioned that. You know, there was a decision that was made by myself that copiers were a bit of a dated technology. So I started looking for another job and kind of stumbled upon freight tech as a hotspot that was growing, needed some updated technology in it, and uh, found 3PL Systems about four years ago, and I've been here ever since. Nice, nice. And as I said before, I've used 3PL Systems. Very nice software, great group of guys. They don't seem to have any turnover, so I always say I know the guys from many years ago are still there. So today's topic is Make System Integrations Great Again with Michael Sternberg, and When we were talking about topics, Mike, we were talking about a lot of different things. And then we kept coming back to system integrations. And I've used different softwares and different companies in the past. And system integrations can be just such a pain. And then I know you kind of said it's not as painful anymore, Joe. So let's first talk about what is a system integration. Sure. So on a very high level, a system integration is going to be the connection between two systems that allows information to flow either in one direction or another or bi-directionally, meaning in both directions. So a system can talk to another system and get a response back as well. So why do I need that? So in today's environment, there's so many different software solutions. Oftentimes you have information that is not living in the same ecosystem. So what an integration allows you to do 
is to connect all those disparate bits of information and bring them into one cohesive environment. And so give me an example like of a system integration that you would do in our business. Sure. So over here at 3PL, for example, outside of all the normal little integrations that every TMS provider has with load boards or tracking solutions or what have you, we could, for example, integrate with a shipper's ERP. So if I have a client who has a very large shipper who manages all of their products inside of an ERP and they want to get that information into our TMS to handle the shipping or the transportation aspect of it, we can integrate directly into their customer's ERP and then pull that information to then create shipments inside of our system. And what that allows for the shipper is that they can stay in their environment inside of their ERP. And then what it allows for our customer in the TMS is that they don't have to be handling phone calls emails, spreadsheet uploads to get that data into the TMS to create shipments. Right. Because the order just came right from the ERP system. So I participate in what you just described, the ERP to the TMS. And sometimes it's been easy and sometimes it's been hard. And I don't think I've ever done a system integration with you guys. I had a lot of customers back in the day who said they wanted it, but they didn't want it. <laughs> I suspect that's not the case anymore. So what does it entail when you talk about a system integration? And by the way, I know you're going to say EDI and I know you're going to say API. So please give us a definition for both of those before we talk about what it takes to do a system integration. Sure. So EDI, by definition, is an electronic data interchange. And API, by definition, is an application programming interface. Both of them are ways to connect two disparate systems, like I said before. Now, in order to illuminate this a little bit better, I like to use the example of a restaurant and a waitress. So if I was a patron at a restaurant and I went into the restaurant and I sat down at the table and I read the menu, typically, or I shouldn't say typically, you're going to have a waitress come to your table, take your order. She's going to write your order down on a piece of paper. She's going to walk it back to the kitchen and she's going to give that order to the chef. Now, the waitress and that piece of paper is going to be the same as an EDI would in any sort of system integration. So it's a message that's being taken from one system, you at the table, and being taken to another system, the chef in the back of the kitchen. Okay. So you connect the two systems and the EDI is kind of the messenger in between. Exactly. Now, with an API, it's a little bit more direct and a lot more streamlined in the same sort of metaphor, if you were able to sit at a counter and there was an open window where you could scream at the chef and tell him, hey, nicely. <laughs> yeah. Hey, make me a burger. Hey, I want some fries or hey, I want this or whatever. It's a direct connection where that messenger in the middle isn't necessary. So you're still going to get your food whether you're using the waitress or you're talking to the chef directly, same as with an EDI or an API, you're still going to get the same information back and you're still going to get what you need, except with an API, it's a little bit more instant. Whereas with an EDI, it's going to take a little bit more time because you have that intermediary handling the order or your food, if that makes yeah. sense. Yep. And I've heard somebody say in the past that the API is kind of always open. 
So it's always kind of the data exchanges back and forth easier, right? That's correct. So again, just kind of expanding on the metaphor, if you're utilizing a waitress or an EDI, you have to wait for the waitress to come around. You have to wait if you want a side of ranch after she brought your food out. You can't just go to the kitchen and ask for it. You have to wait for her to come back around and then you have to get her attention and then you have to ask her. Then she has to go back and then she has to bring it. It's the same with an EDI and an API. So the EDI is in a different time intervals, whereas an API, to your point, is a constant line of communication. Yep. And so EDI is the older technology and API is the newer technology. You said something interesting to me today about EDIs not being used in many other industries. Yeah. Well, I mean, first of all, yeah, EDI has been around since World War II. So we're going on over 75 years that that technology has been used. So it is proven. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it works. (laughs) It's just technology in any industry or just in a general sense is advancing at a rate that really nothing else is. And the fact that EDIs are still being used in the freight space is kind of interesting. If you talk to any software engineer, They might know what EDIs are, but they're just surprised when they find out how prevalent they are in the freight space. So why haven't they gone away in our space? Yeah, so good question. I think the biggest reason is you have a ton of big players who have old systems that rely on EDIs for these communications. So for example, Walmart might require a third-party logistics company to be EDI compliant to handle any of their freight. So what that means is if you want to deal with a big shipper like Walmart, you have to comply with their technology needs, which is an EDI. And because they're so big, they have weight to throw around and it keeps EDIs prevalent in the space. Right. I can tell you from my own experience, I worked in automotive for many years and we always used EDI and I haven't done anything with them in the last 10 years or so. But one of the challenges we had, and I can speak to for sure Ford and General Motors and Chrysler all kind of the same that way. They had these older systems, but they were connected to tens of thousands of suppliers (laughs) and locations. And so I remember as people talking about the projects that we did software-wise were all about making the interface better, but never going back behind the scenes and changing the legacy systems that we use. And I remember somebody made the point that it's like billions of dollars of upgrades and the interruption is so significant. So I think Again, I haven't worked on it lately, but I suspect they're just chipping away at that because it's just really hard to say we're going to shut down a system that we've been using forever. It's connected everywhere and all our suppliers are used to it. And now we're just going to shut that off and switch. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, it's borderline impossible. And I say borderline because obviously selling freight tech myself, I'm inclined to believe that it is possible. But you've got people running their companies on AS400s and any other industry, that's just unheard of. It may be banking. Banking is one of the industries that's like that as well. But We're pretty big and spread out. It's one thing if it's within your four <laughs> walls, you can say there's going to be an interruption or a shutdown one day. But when you've got tens of thousands of partners and dealers and everybody else connected, it's not easy. Sure. No, absolutely. It becomes... Something that you say a lot of times in our conversations, it's like turning the Titanic around, right? (laughs) I mean, you have this massive ship and we all know what happened with the Titanic, not to get grim, but it couldn't steer out of the way of an iceberg because it was too big, 
right? And we all know how that story ended. Right. There was another analogy that we used in automotive sometimes about we were trying to change the product development process so we could go faster, faster, better, cheaper. And I remember somebody said, this is like rewiring an airplane on the way from New York to L.A. (laughs) (laughs) No, it makes sense. It makes sense. Anyway, so... What does it take to integrate a system? So better yet, in the today's title, it's called Make System Integrations Great Again. That implies that there's something wrong. What's wrong with integrations? (laughs) Sure. So I think one of the biggest problems with integrating systems in the freight tech space today is the lack of standardization for EDI types. So I thought they've been around forever. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So everyone talks about EDI is being standardized. There's a standard EDI 204. There's a standard EDI 214. There's a standard EDI 210. When in reality, that's not the case. So describe what those EDI types are. So just give us the thumbnail of each one of those types. Sure. So an EDI 204 would be a load tender. An EDI 990, which is another common EDI type, would be a confirmation or rejection of that load tender. An EDI 214 would be a tracking or a status update. And an EDI 210 would be an invoicing EDI. So those are all very common EDI files that are sent between systems in the transportation space. And they're not standardized. (laughs) They're supposed to be, but they're not. So over here at 3PL, for example, if we need to build an EDI 204 to tender a load to a carrier, for example, we would like to think that we could just use one that we've built before. It almost never works out that way. It's always different. It always requires some tweaking. And typically, people say it's going to be a lot easier than it ends up being. So that load tender goes from the TMS, which is, in your case, 3PL systems, to a carrier. Am I correct? In this example, yes. Let's just say carrier A is not the same as carrier B is not the same as carrier C. That's correct. <laughs> nice, nice. <laughs> and so you just mentioned kind of these standard EDI types, and they're not standardized, which causes extra time and hassle when we're trying to integrate systems. Absolutely. Absolutely. It would be like if I had a CD player and I went to a music store, and I know this is a dated example, but if I went to the music store and all the CDs were different sizes. But we all call them CDs. Exactly, exactly. Nice, nice. Well, now you know what it's like for people my age who we bought records and we thought, hey, this is cool. (laughs) And then they said, hey, we got something even better, cassette tapes. And then somebody said, throw those cassettes out, get some CDs. And we're like, this is it. This is not going to get any better than this. And then, hey, throw those CDs out. What what the hell are you doing with those, Grandpa? (laughs) (laughs) Exactly, exactly. Anyway, so these system integrations are difficult, first off, because there's a lack of standardization on the EDI types. What's another challenge with getting a system integration done? Sure. So as I've mentioned a couple times, I mean, just the fact that there's dated technology that's so prevalent in the freight space, it causes a lot of issues where systems aren't optimized to integrate with other certain newer technologies, let's say. So for example, if I'm on an AS400 and someone comes to me with an API integration, that's not a very straightforward type of situation and it can't be easily done without some serious effort. So when you say AS400... 
What is that? The old like green screens with black text, stuff that you would see on like an old submarine or like a battleship in an old movie. Oh yeah. That's an AS 400. (laughs) So that's a system. And you say some of these carriers were run on those? Quite a few of them actually. Okay. We're getting there. We're getting there. (laughs) So lack of standardization is the first thing. Data technology. So when I'm trying to connect my new platform, my new TMS to some of these old legacy systems, I'll call them, there's some challenges. And then the integrations just aren't going that way. They're also going out to, like you guys integrate to all the load boards and all the visibility apps and all those other things, right? Yeah. So, I mean, in our space, we'll integrate with anything that's going to bring value to our customers, right? So there are a ton of third-party software providers that offer great services. So whether it's a visibility tool like MacroPoint or Forkites, whether it's a back office automation tool like Hubtran or even the load boards like DAT or TruckStop or any of their other suite of tools. Thankfully, the companies I just mentioned are a little bit more modern. They've got API capabilities and those integrations are pretty straightforward and it makes it a lot better for everybody. Yep. Got it. So the first problem you run into, again, is lack of standardization with the EDI stuff. Then this data technology. Now, is that data technology just on the carrier side? Where else do I see that data technology? Is that the only place? You see it more on the carrier and the shipper side. On the third-party services provider side, you don't see it as much. We are a dime a dozen as far as technology companies go in the freight space that are bringing in that new wave of technology. But there's still old tech. There's legacy systems being used by TMS providers too, right? Well, yeah, those are the big guys, the guys who've been around for a long time. And they have the same problem that Ford and the General Motors would have, which is they've got tens of thousands of users and millions of shipments within their system. It ain't easy to turn that off and switch to a new technology. Well, and to take it even a step further with a lot of these legacy systems, A lot of them are on-premise solutions. So you buy a copy of the software, you host it in-house on your own servers, and you keep that copy of the software for however many years. When it's time to upgrade, it may have been four, five, six years since you've had any updates to that system. So you could imagine taking in all of those new updates could be very disruptive to an operation. Whereas the new wave of software and It's not new for the rest of tech. It's just new for the freight space. A lot of stuff is moving towards a cloud-based solution, software as a service, whereas we update our clients basically every week. They're getting updates to their system. So instead of taking in four, five, six years of updates, you're gradually taking in these updates and upgrades every week. I think a good analogy, just to make it simple, I think is, so my mobile phone Every once in a while, it just says, hey, it's time to upgrade. And it just shut your phone off and turn it back on. And that happened whether I liked it or not, right? Now, if if I compare that to the way the old landline, probably dating some of you out of this discussion, but the old landline did not update that way. (laughs) It was a dumb system. Yeah, absolutely. No, it's a perfect example. That's exactly what I'm talking about. Okay, so getting back to it. Lack of standardization is the first problem. Data technology, and again, that could be at the shipper, that could be at the carrier. It could also be the TMS provider. So that potentially makes it really difficult. And what's another thing that makes these system integrations not so great? Sure. So with the data technology, these integrations become very time-consuming and expensive. Now, what happens is you're kind of looking for somebody who understands 
both old technology and new technology. And that's very hard to find sometimes. All these guys that I work with over at 3PL, they're all young and they don't know anything about AS400s or old coding languages like Cobalt or anything like that. Nor do they want to learn. Right. They just won't do it. So you got to find somebody who, one, understands the old environment, two, understands the new environment, and then three, is available and not going to break the bank, right? So when you combine all those factors, it becomes a very difficult exercise to integrate a newer technology into an older technology. Yep. I was on a project helping, I was a consultant, and and it went all really well right up to the point where we said, yep, we're going to do this. And then one day it was like the other shoe dropped where they said, oh, I didn't realize this had to happen and this had to happen. We had to get a technology guy who was great and he was available, but wildly expensive. And the work he did took some time. It was like at least six weeks. And sometimes I've been on this in the past where they say, yeah, it's going to cost a lot of money to do that system integration when we get the guy and he's not available until three weeks from now. So the worst case scenario, if you're a 3PL or a broker or carrier is I just won this new business and I have to connect to them and I have to connect to their carriers and it's going to take 10 weeks. Now I got to go back to my brand new customer and go, hey, you know what I said about that integration? It's just a tad harder than I thought. And by the way, it's a huge price tag. Do you think I could bill you for that? (laughs) Not the kind of conversation you want to (laughs) have. No, especially not after closing the business, right? No, that's awful. (laughs) It's interesting you mentioned that one of the trends that we've seen over here at 3PL Systems, the biggest growth amongst our client base has been people that have integrated with their shippers ERPs or their WMSs. And it was the ability of the integration to go smoothly, to be cost efficient, to be quick and to be accurate. And that's all a result of modern technology being leveraged to accomplish the end goal in a way that just makes sense for everybody, right? Right, right. So, yeah, so let's finish up on the problems and then talk a little bit about the newer ways of doing this. So besides the data technology, which and the EDI not being standardized, and I know because of all this data tech, you got the expensive, time-consuming system integrations. And I know getting that specialized knowledge is not easy. Not everybody has it. You're going to have to find a 50-something like me because <laughs> I'm willing to learn the new system and I grew up with the old one, right? So talk a little bit about the difference between on-premise and cloud. Sure. So I'd mentioned it a little bit before, but I think just the simplest way to put it is when you're on-premise, you're not getting updates. You're not taking advantage of all the work that's being done to improve the software versus when you're on a cloud-based system, you're on the same code as everybody else. If we at 3PL Systems, for example, build a new integration for one client, Technically, all of our clients get access to that as well. We are updating our clients constantly. And really, it's technology just in general has been moving in that direction for quite a while. I mean, you now have Office 365, right? No one buys a disk anymore and installs (laughs) it on their computer and then has to buy another disk in a couple of years. That doesn't happen. It's all done software as a service and it's all cloud-based or even like your phone. You pull down updates from the cloud all the time. And it's just kind of the new wave of technology and it just makes things better. I mean, I still talk to prospects that are on 
legacy systems hosted on a server inside of a closet at their office. And that comes with a slew of other issues as well. You have to have a guy who understands servers. You have to make sure it doesn't go down and get attacked. And, you know, we have these huge players in the industry, the Amazons of the world and the Microsofts of the world, offering cloud-based hosting. And for anybody to think that they can do it better than them is kind of asinine, right? So we just leverage Microsoft Azure or Amazon Web Servers, and we let them host all of our stuff. Right, right. And it's interesting also those, when you have it in your closet, that means when the power goes down in your neighborhood, and I live in Michigan, where if we get storms in the summer and the fall, it knocks out power. And then, bam, you're out. Everyone go home. <laughs> this is the server's down. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> or better yet, jump on your phones. And that was another thing. A lot of people use the voice over internet protocol and you go, guess what? We lost our phones at the same time. We lost <laughs> our TMS and our email. Bad day. Okay, so we talked about the problems. Lack of standardization for EDI types. Data technology, which drives this expensive, time-consuming integrations. And again, you have to have specialized knowledge. You're going to have to find that guy who might be very expensive and not even available. And then this idea of on-premise versus cloud. If you're working with somebody who's got this on-premise system, whether it's your carrier or your customer or your TMS or your WMS for that matter, you're in trouble. You potentially have a really difficult integration. So let's switch gears and talk a little bit about a better way to do this. So what makes system integrations easy? What makes them great again? Sure. So thankfully, there's a really big push for tech in the freight space. I mean, it's no secret to anybody listening to this how much money is being thrown at the freight tech space. And it seems like almost every day you have a new company that took on tens of millions of dollars to build the new technology that we're seeing, right? So it's a really exciting time. And all these new technologies are built in an API-friendly way. So over here at 3PL, for example, just about four and a half, five years ago, the decision was made to rewrite our platform from the ground up. And we rebuilt the system in a way that technically the whole thing is built on one big API layer, which means that we can integrate any data point to any other system that has API capabilities. So it makes it a lot easier. And I know that's the newer way. So what you're saying is the better way to integrate is going to be basically on a system that is built on the newer tech and it's going to be in the cloud, right? Mm -hmm. What else? Or like I said, it's going to be API friendly. And what I mean by API friendly is not just can they do APIs, but is the system architected in a way that allows that to be done quickly and easily? So I'll give you an example. Our old system, 3PL has been around since 2005. So our old system is able to integrate with APIs. We can do it, but it's a lot easier and it's a lot faster on the new system. That's just a result of newer technology and being able to take advantage of moving 3PL systems in a direction that is going to be able to provide an environment to build those APIs and allow these integrations to be completed within days, not within weeks or possibly months, right? So again, our old system and a lot of these other legacy technologies, they can technically do API integrations. It's just not an environment that was built for it on the forefront, right? So you're fitting a square peg into a round hole. I think also there's kind of a maybe because of this newer technology that stays on the cloud and constantly updates. And when integrations are easier, you start to say, 
well, I don't have to build my own visibility tool because I can easily connect to best in class, right? I can connect to the systems that companies that are already perfected that, right? And I don't need a CRM within my TMS if I can go connect with one, right? If I can integrate with one basically <laughs> painlessly, <laughs> then I don't have to develop everything inside the TMS tool. That's a great point, Joe, because what you have with a lot of these legacy providers is they try to do everything, right? They try to be your TMS and your CRM and your visibility tool and so on and so forth. If you can't integrate, <laughs> that makes a lot of sense. Well, you have no choice, right? But take this as an example for any TMS provider, including us, to think that we can build a CRM as good as Salesforce is ridiculous. Or take Hubtran, for example, incredibly well-built functional tool. We weren't going to try to replicate that. We were just going to integrate with it. When you build your TMS in a way that can pull in any third-party software via API into our system, it just allows us to offer out the best-in-class services instead of thinking we can do everything because nobody can. Well, what's kind of interesting about that is, again, getting back to my mobile phone, my Android, they provide this opportunity for me to download any app I want on there. So I can get a finance app, I can get Twitter, I can get Facebook, whatever I want, I can just download onto there. They don't try and say, we are now your software provider. We'll do all the apps for you, Joe. You don't need that. I'm like, no thanks, Android. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. That is exactly right. I mean, at the end of the day, specialization is a good thing. It allows people to focus on one As solution. long as you can integrate. <laughs> Exactly, 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 exactly. So the advantage here is what makes system integrations great again is when everybody's upgraded to this new technology and we recognize the challenge against these guys are trying to turn around battleships and that's not easy. But once you get this new technologies that are built to integrate, and I know 3PL is built that way and probably some other TMS, but that enables you to be fast, easy, inexpensive integrations that means I don't have to go with a software that necessarily has called feature bloat, where they say, hey, we have to be your everything, but we can't integrate. And we got plug and play here. So next year, when somebody says, hey, here's the next killer app for freight tech, you go, cool, we'll integrate to it. You don't have to say, we'll build that ourselves. Yeah, no, we're ready. We'll be ready. And again, like you mentioned, we're not the only one doing that. It is a new wave of tech in the space, which is allowing this to happen. And it's been really fun to watch and be a part of. There are some incredibly valuable tools being built in the space, but they're specialized. And then they pull them into TMSs. And it's been a really fun thing to watch all these new players emerge that are now able to integrate so easily into these TMSs because you're going to need a TMS regardless if you're running a brokerage operation, right? But being able to pull in, hey, maybe I like this service better for, let's use the load boards as a perfect example. There's no way, anytime soon at least, that anybody is going to build a bigger load board than DAT or truck stop. It's just not happening. So why even try, in my opinion, this is my opinion, my two cents, we're just going to pull it in. We're not going to build a 3PL load board. <laughs> we're going to build a really good day-to-day -day TMS for you to execute your loads. And we're going to pull in data feeds from DAT and truck stop because they do it and they do it well. Yeah, you're building the ecosystem that is connecting to the rest of the cool stuff that we want. Absolutely. Awesome. I appreciate this, Mike. So please summarize this topic for us. 
Yeah. So, I mean, really the simplest way I can put it is freight tech is a bit behind. Thankfully, there's a ton of money being thrown at the space and there's a new wave coming and it's much needed. It's going to allow multiple disconnected systems to feed into one intuitive environment and make these people's days a lot easier. We are trying to move away from the days where a broker or anyone in the transportation space for that matter has six or seven different tabs open on their computer because there's six or seven different disparate systems that aren't connected, right? So there's this new wave of tech that is going to provide the ability for these people to live in one environment and streamline their days. And really, the space is moving in a really cool direction. I like it. I hear screaming in the background. Is that a baby or is that one of those uh, <laughs> one of those tech engineers? <laughs> I know they're getting younger and younger. <laughs> we're, we're still locked down here in California, so that's probably my two-year-old screaming in the other room, doing this from home. I don't know how it is out there. If you guys are still locked down, but I haven't been in the it's office the same, for but quite a few months. Yeah. <laughs> Before we go, tell us what's new over at 3PL Systems. Yeah. So what's new over at 3PL Systems? We're just always focusing on what the new integration is, what the coolest tool is to be able to offer that service to our clients. One of the things that we're constantly doing is looking for feedback from our customers, having them tell us what they're using that they want to pull into our system, looking at those kind of opportunities to continue to grow. We've been experiencing some great growth and amazing response from the market on our new system. And we just look to continue that momentum and keep moving the company in the right direction. I love it. I love it. And again, I'm a big fan. I've used the system in the past. I think I used the old system before it was updated, but I love that. And I'm sure the new one's even better. So I do appreciate you taking the time, Mike. Yeah, thank you as well, Joe. This was a lot of fun. It was. And I learned a lot. It's interesting for all of us who are like supply chain logistics guys and we're using this technology daily. But what's always a struggle for me, and I think for others, is I know supply chain, I know logistics, but I'm not a tech, right? And the more I can understand what's going on behind the scenes there is better for all of us. So thank you so much for sharing what you do. Absolutely, Joe. It's my pleasure. Yeah, thank you. And thank all of you for listening to my podcast. Your continued support is very much appreciated. Until next time, onward and upward. You've been listening to the Logistics of Logistics podcast, where we engage in conversations with experts in the logistics field. If you're an expert and would like to be featured on the Logistics of Logistics podcast, please email Joe Lynch at joe at the logisticsoflogistics.com. 